Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jibraj and on this podcast I speak with founders, investors and domain experts from the Indian Valley trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode I speak with Adit Palicha, co-founder and CEO of Zepto. Zepto is the primary champion of the 10-minute delivery revolution which has disrupted the entire quick commerce landscape in the country. Started by two 19-year-olds from Mumbai, Adit and Kevalya dropped out of Stanford College to pursue their dreams. This has led to the creation of a $500 million plus company in less than a year, serving millions of consumers across India with an average time of less than 9 minutes per order. 10-minute delivery seemed like a far-off dream. until zepto and others showed us the magic of an insane operational cycle that keeps giving i sat down with adit to decode this miraculous journey and understand how they make it happen in our conversation through this episode we discuss a bunch of aspects covering how zepto got off the ground built a world class team and resorted to process orientation for 30% week on week growth we also discuss what it means to build with insane focus have an execution first culture and dive deeper into the nuances of building an incredible operational engine adit and team are on to one of the largest opportunities of our time and the next 50 minutes beautifully covers the intricacies of this journey thus without further ado let's dive in to the 88th episode of the indian silicon valley podcast with adit palicha Accepto. Thank you so much Adit for joining me. Absolutely delighted and insanely excited to be doing this with you. Uh, I really appreciate the kind words Shivraj and and honestly happy yeah. to be here as well. Great to hear that Adit, but it's amazing what you've been able to establish with Accepto considering that the customer delight of being able to not just imagine but execute that a piece of grocery that you order can turn at your doorstep in under 10 minutes is possible at scale right so while we continue to dive deeper into how you made that possible i'd like to start with your journey as well which is of course unique in more ways than one especially with the context that you've been able to take a lot of bold bets with conviction at an early stage as a young entrepreneur right so if you can walk us through what that means for you taking bold bets with conviction because so much of being an entrepreneur is is believing in you believing in things that the world may not but executing it and then showing the world that you can so if you can maybe give us a purview of how did you choose to you know go after a market that most people counted off in a way that most people again continue to question at scale and of course personally you made the decision of dropping out of one of the most prestigious institutions in perhaps the world stanford at an age that most people can again find questionable so with that context if you can give us a brief of how all of that unfolded uh, with the zero to one of zepter that would be a great conversation starter yeah no i think that's that's uh, definitely a great place to start look i think in terms of you know personal background uh, you know both my co-founder and i have had a fairly similar story you know both of us have been building from a fairly young age so i think that that's been that's been a, a common theme i think throughout uh, us growing up is that you know building things that we found interesting was always sort of where most of our time went into and you know we, we spent a lot of time working on multiple projects together i think you know for us after having like after having spent sort of years as kids trying to find a product that uh, people would actually use 
uh, we realized that I mean, a, like going back there, it is actually insanely difficult to create a product that people would derive consistent value out of. Right? And so we, you know, initially, you know, sort of 13, 14 year olds, you were like, let's build a website. Everybody would love it. Nobody used it. I mean, it was more of a, you know, more of a gimmick than anything else. And, you know, over time, it took us a couple of years before we had like uh, a product or two that we found to be fairly successful and we were able to scale that into a reasonable degree. But, uh, you know, eventually, I think after a couple of years of doing that and having, you know, some, you know, small level of success in building out and building out technology projects, you know, we figured that, you know, we're getting a little bit better at identifying products that people derive value out of and how and what sort of trends or metrics are important to actually having an in, in like a, having a product that genuinely creates value. But more importantly, what we hadn't had an understanding of at the time was how do you build sort of an organization around that? And right? how do you build an Airbnb or an Amazon uh, or a Flipkart? Right? And so for us, we figured the best place in the world to go and learn that would be Silicon Valley in California. So more low nuance thought process, I guess, uh, two 17 year old kids from Mumbai, but uh, we figured that that would be the best place in the world to go and learn that. So the two of us applied, you know, computer science at Stanford. Uh, we were lucky enough to get in. And yeah, I think that was sort of what we were hoping to be the beginning of a, of a journey there where we could have, you know, dived deeper into sort of that ecosystem. But when the pandemic hit, we found ourselves back in Mumbai, which is when we started experimenting with the grocery space. And, and to give you some context on on, on why grocery, right? I think as, as two sort of bachelors at the time, uh, you know, living in, in sort of a, you know, an apartment in Mumbai, the first wave of the pandemic was not particularly kind to kind to us from a grocery perspective. Right? We, we genuinely struggled like in, the, in more of a, in less of like an inconvenience, like at the time it was not an inconvenience, it was more exasperation. And so like that topic dominated our mindset for a long time, which especially after coming from markets like the US uh, and even in you know, the Middle East where you know, grocery products, at least at the time, were significantly more evolved. Right? And the experience was orders of magnitude better and for reasons that we didn't understand why. Right? And so you know, we dived in and we said, Look, the, you know, this is something that you know multiple markets have seen. <clears throat> multiple markets have seen scale. Uh, you know, why can't we experiment with something like this in India? So, you know, we tried, you know, delivering, uh, you know, ourselves, and we, uh, you know, ended up scaling that, you know, a little bit like sort of an aggregator model with last mile attached to it, uh, sort of like a like a Zomato, but for for groceries and you know that sort of model. And uh, eventually, you know, as we scale that, we sort of looked at the product market fit metrics and said, look. You know, delivering in 45 minutes wasn't as compelling, especially in a market that has got like the the, the kind of penetration of grocery stores uh, is incredibly immense. Right? So the product market fit that we were seeing was, you know, fairly lukewarm. And on top of that, there are many other structural issues with an aggregator model, at least in the, at least in the grocery space. And so that's when we sort of eventually looked at like retention data on different carts. We looked at NPS in different carts, frequency of usage in different carts. And we said, wow, you know, the there's a cohort of customers that are, getting deliveries faster and you know there's something pretty magical that happens to their attention rates and their frequency of usage and that's when we sort of dived into that that rabbit hole so yeah i think for us it was like the journey was you know we always loved building technology products uh you know we, we came from that background when you know we found ourselves in mumbai in the middle of the pandemic grocery was sort of the problem that obviously slapped us and you know many many people in the face uh at the time and yeah we said look you know there's a there's a model that there's a model that's low friction in you know all parts of the world that we've been in. Why doesn't it exist in India? And that's when we started experimenting with the grocery space. And eventually, sort of what led us to to this model, you know, very transparently, is just sort of the metrics that we saw on on product market fit. So, yeah, that's the that's been sort of the broad journey on on how we've gotten here. 
that that's fabulous to hear and and that's amazing in more ways than one because you know it, it seems very logical in nature but you know a quick uh, extension of that is were there any reservations at any point in time considering the age factor i'm not going to use that phrase 19 year old a lot because i know that's been overused in the ecosystem now but was there any you know did you have to fight these reservations in your head uh, was it ever you know uh, society nature because so many youngsters today you know fight this battle of when to start right uh, so what would you like to you know perhaps uh, express when it comes to when to start when to time it right is it a factor more in terms of you know what you can't control or is it just very organic in nature yeah look i think you know that that question means a little bit moot right like, i think the like when to think about like what age is the the right age to start a business i think if you sort of deep dive into how most great entrepreneurial stories start right they they sort of largely start as side projects which is exactly what they started off at right? and so you know people that like building you know have an interesting side project and you know build it for you know no other intention no sort of business motive just because they feel like it's a cool idea that people might actually respond to it right? and i think that was the pure intention that that Kevali and i had you know we didn't you know set out to say you know we're going to try to create a large business and you know be sort of create technology entrepreneurs that wasn't the intention right obviously today that that uh, you know today building an incredible business is an opportunity that's come to us but back then it was just like we love building cool products this is a cool product and then you know eventually when you have just sort of that pure product driven customer driven mentality without sort of the pressure of trying to build a business uh, that's when you sort of are able to think a little bit more clearly on how to iterate like objectively that most founders you know what i've seen and you know the the, the fallacy that i also probably had a little bit earlier in life is that you know most founders especially first time founders start with the fallacy that they know what customers want right and so they come in saying you know this is this is what we're going to build it's going to we're going to build it and like the hard part is getting it you know shipped once it's shipped people are going to love the product and that's sort of the fallacy that then most first time founders including myself have gone through right i think when you look at it very objectively where you say hey i just you know really want to build something that people actually care about and i don't have this intention of being a steve jobs as character that that can just sort of vision envision products and make something exciting when you have that pure intention you're in a position where you can a lot like very objectively and ruthlessly just iterate on your product based on what customers are telling you and so we just went down that rabbit hole and said here's an interesting product and all of a sudden you know when we started experimenting with the 10 minute delivery it just the reactions that we were getting were just like a we one to us it seemed like one in a million especially after having gone through years of you know iterating when we were kids on on looking for for a product what we saw is like you know man the retention rates here are unbelievable the kind of response rates we're seeing from customers are unbelievable and you know like what's the probably problem probability of getting into you know into a prestigious college right the probability of getting into a prestigious college is like what 1% 2% 3% the probability of finding a deep product market fit is many orders of magnitude lower than that right so if you just look at it mathematically right, it just makes sense like the the probability of getting an opportunity like that in life versus going to a prestigious university i think the former was honestly just more exciting to us and that's how we evolved into it but the intention was not hey so we started business was so young it was like here's an exciting product people love this like how do we get this to more and more people and then it evolved into an exciting business so yeah got it yeah no what i'm hearing is you know the simplicity of not trying to complicate it because if you you know look at all the you know gloomy things that come along with starting up and all of that then it can seem like a mountain hill of a journey and you can't possibly go after that from day one that's almost like a consequence of building the and and generating the right value which sector is doing and so i think that's wonderful to hear i mean the simplicity is really dawning and i hope everyone you know catches a bit of it what i want to understand further as you were alluding to earlier right the customer delight that you've been 
been able to establish because it's insane how you know how something can come to your doorstep in under 10 minutes like every time almost surprising right the rage is there with every consumer each age everybody's using it now but what we get to see is not what happens in the background right i'm guessing you have to run a very very strong operational engine to make it possible and i want to understand from you what that is so if you can give us a very quick overview of sorts as to what zepto does to make the end experience possible on the background from you know 0 to 1 give us the processes to the extent that you can i think that would be very helpful to just decode what this quick commerce model means to begin with yeah yeah sure so i think look the the way the model works in a nutshell right if i but us oversimplified and you know for the purpose of this explanation you know there are three broad steps right and and like you alluded to right it, it very heavily relies on deep operating discipline and i think that's sort of the less sexy but the actual crux of this model is that even if you look at a marketplace model like a doordash in the us right which seems like a very intensive operating business it is very intensive but this model is 20 to 30 times you know more you know detail oriented and and more complex right and now i don't i don't say that with a lot of you know it's 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 not it's not easy right so it's, it's a very very difficult business and so yeah look i think operating discipline is the crux of it and and to just boil down how we actually get temporary delivery done consistently you know the three broad steps right so one is the actual pods that we have right so those pods you know we work with partners you know we work with uh, local players to you know set up those so those pods and you know we help them operate that uh but more importantly than than actually setting those up is is guiding you know our partners on sort of where to position it right because from a network design perspective that's critical right so we look at dozens of different factors everything from a koramangala and bangalore to a dwarka and delhi to a bandra and mumbai right so dozens of different factors everything from geographic centricity road patterns traffic data we look at uh real estate prices last mile workforce availability we even look at things like weather right you know if it's raining how frequently does it rain what roads end up getting flooded how does my serviceability get impacted so you take you know dozens of different factors and then we've got a a network design lead internally right that sort of compiles that and we have like uh you know built out two different algorithms on on you know running different sort of average delivery time scenarios depending on where we position ourselves the long and short of it is you have to figure out what's the best place to position myself to get maximum access to customers in under 10 minutes in this micro market and so that network design becomes critical from a uh, micro perspective the second is the operating discipline that happens throughout an order right so from the time that you click the checkout button to the time that the groceries are packed bagged and dispatched that entire task happens for us at least today uh, in about 58 seconds on average right and so it's a combination of the software that we built out within the store uh, you know so the software that we built out uh, within sort of a uh, you know within the the broader network that we have the the pod network that we have but also the it, it has a lot to do with sort of the, the operation operating nuance right the the way that you design your handover processes the way that you design the how you allocate last mile riders uh, can we do it preemptively like what what sort of uh, do we have captive or not captive last mile basis there's a lot lot of different elements that to actually get that you know packed to dispatch as seamless as possible and so that's sort of the second step and the third step is is sort of controlling last mile radiuses uh where you can keep average distances at a low but also you know keeps sort of the most efficient network on a macro level across the city that right? we it's not too dense it's not too sparse uh, so there's a lot of like there's a lot of different ways but to combine it it's like the most optimal place to position yourself along with the 58 second pack back to dispatch time and then sort of a control last mile radius which is how you get to where we're at today which is a median delivery time of 8 minutes and 24 seconds so yeah 
that that's incredible i'm sure everyone listening is going to be mind blown having you know understood what goes behind uh, just the detail of making this possible because of course there's so much happening and to that point i think you know as young tech entrepreneurs what does it mean to you know go into a model which has such a nuanced operational challenges right if you can perhaps allude because i'm guessing the largest businesses and the startups of the world as well right amazon at the core also has a very strong operational engine that we perhaps don't get to see very evidently but get to experience almost always right so if you could perhaps give us a one on one on the operational nuance at a high level perhaps that goes into it what it goes into preparing yourself for such a thing as well and then how do you execute it at scale uh, that be very helpful on No, no, I think uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and to sort of dive in, right? The, and just like to give you the context on, on how as entrepreneurs we dive into that, I think Kevali and I, uh, you know, not to do our own orders a little bit, but naturally, you know, we, we do come with a high degree of detail orientation. I think most of the projects that we've worked on are online to offline. For some, you know, statistic reason, we've chosen low margin businesses, but uh, that is the reality that, that you know, we've done. we sort of left ourselves with but you know on sort of how we actually get this done right in in like from a com- like company top down the approach that we've taken is is largely built into the team right and so we have a very we have a, we have a very different philosophy on on building a team right we have a uh, a no generalist mentality right so we don't we actually don't like i mean other than other than me and you know unfortunately i don't have any you know particular hard skills the philosophy that we largely taken is we want to get people that have you know seen this in some form or the other before have built sort of scaled up businesses that resemble the space that we're in right and so if we need to get you know a finance team built out let's say the best finance operative in the country or one of the best finance operators in the country to build it right? we don't want to we, we don't want to be in a position where uh you know we have to take bets on people that you know might scale might not scale um you know if we need to build a supply chain that's built like sort of the 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 most optimized supply chain with people that have done it before at at phenomenal companies like a flipkart you know or a pepper fry right and so can we get get the best supply chain executives on board so if you look at the way that we've taken it right? we've just taken a very it's very boring it's a very sort of retail like lala mentality where you just have like the like the experts just come in and 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 get it done and there are no sort of you know it's it's honestly not as exciting there are no like you know figuring out sessions and and deep brain you know uh brainstorming that that end up getting done it's actually just textbook right and so the that's the that's the mentality we have right let's you know there's obviously there's innovation on top of it that's that, that's a given but the way i like like to say it is that you know this this model the uh, the crazy thing about this business that is like very unique is the fact that we have to deliver uh in you know in kind of short periods of time right and you know the team figured that out in week 1 of the business everything else has already been done before right building an hr building a finance team building a great product team uh you know building out uh you know highly f- efficient fulfillment operations you know pe- you know someone out there has already done like the you know abc of it we just had to do like the 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 beginning element so yeah the mentality has been you know very specialist oriented which is which is why i think we've had the kind of operating discipline that we do right the reason why uh you know transparency in a very short period of time we've been able to consolidate capital uh is because capital consolidates especially in operating businesses with teams that have the best discipline and so for us especially in a market like this right which is why we're actually you know very very excited about the the way the market is looking like right now capital tends to consolidate with with teams and with like historical records of, of the best operating discipline and and that's frankly been just like the focus of only so yeah 
Fair enough. No, I think that that's particularly clear. And it's amazing how, you know, you talk about the not reinventing the wheel, right? It's just about bettering the wheel to make the best product and deliver the experience as opposed to doing everything from scratch. Uh, I think the simplification there is also uncanny and amazing uh, to witness. But there are two things that you alluded to, right? And this is something that you maintained as a narrative all throughout the Zepto journey, which is the reason why this succeeds is because you have a lot of focus and efficiency and you have a world-class team uh, talking about uh, you know the latter as continuing the flow of thought how do you you know build out this team which you called as world class you've, you've often alluded to let's say the best one of the best operating teams in the country perhaps right talk to us more in depth of how do you look at you know let's say talent acquisition retention growth within the company org design whatnot right whatever your building principles in terms of team building are would be very helpful because for a company like Zep which is not just hands-on, but is growing at an incredible pace, which is unprecedented in the ecosystem. Very few companies, which are outliers, uh, have only been able to pull it off. How do you manage this constant evolution of team building? That'd be very helpful, Adil. Sure, sure. No, I think, uh, and again, like it's 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 like a great it's a great thing to be talking about, right? In terms of how to build a team, the philosophy again has been top down, right? So. The, the very like simple one-liner that I use when I talk about how we've built our team, uh, you know, a lot of lot of startups and you know very successful startups. So, so you know different approaches that that can work. But there are some great companies that have taken a you know have started off with like the founders and like a few uh, junior folks like interns etc. That they eventually build on top of and build sort of a top uh, a bottoms up structure. We've taken sort of in the opposite. Right? The the viewpoint is that I'm not by any stretch of the imagination an expert in let's say finance or HR. Right, that's not my core competency. So if I, you know, try to build a finance team bottom up, I will almost certainly get it wrong. Right, just you know, I can spend a lot of time speaking to, you know, great CFOs and and you know some of the best startups in in India, but it's a very low likelihood that I'll be able to sort of build the right structure of a finance team or an HR team myself bottoms up. Right, with someone that might not be like a specialized expert in those fields. So why not, you know, start with you know a seasoned executive on on day one that has done this before, that's built our team so that we, can, we have a first-time right mentality. And that first-time right mentality is, is important. I'll talk about it in the, in the org design sense as well. But but yeah, so I think um, that's like the philosophy that we've largely been top-down uh, on the talent acquisition side, which is odd, right? I think like a lot of companies in their early stages don't have the opportunity to sort of put together uh, an executive team on day one. And that tends to happen. Like executives start becoming more likely to, to come on board, uh, you know, when you have sort of a, uh, a bit more traction on your belt. I think when, you know, initially when we were at very low traction, obviously you know, things have evolved fast. So life has been a little bit easier for us nowadays with executive hiring. But in the early days with very limited scale, we were just in this interesting position where we could actually bring executives on board. And, and I don't think that has anything to do with, you know, the, the sort of <laughs> vigor with which I tried to convince them. I think it's largely just to do with the fact that these folks were incredibly intelligent. They saw the promise behind the model, uh, not just the magic behind getting a, a 10 minute delivery, but actually the the underlying you know business sense that it made uh, on a unique economics perspective and that's why we were able to bring them on board right? so i think the the model did most of the talking for me uh, on that front uh, but yeah so that's like the top down philosophy to just jump jump into uh, you know how we look at retention how we look at all design right like i mentioned it's it's a it's a first time right mentality right and so if you look at how companies how companies scale as they said as they get bigger and bigger like how most companies scale is they start at a certain point they scale to a certain level and like they haven't built processes to handle that scale so they break for a little bit uh, there's like a bit of a flatline period where they sort of get the right executives, they start fixing things, and they're able to scale to the next level, and then they break. They're able to scale to the next level, and they break. And it's just fine. It's a step by step approach. It takes years to build large companies. 
we're in a position where you know if you want to win this market uh, we have to build a large company in a fraction of the time right? so the philosophy has always been in that scale journey can we preempt the breaking points like two months in advance fix them so that it's just smooth like there's no there's no interruptions right? it just keeps going this way uh, so how do we just keep preempting the break, the breaking points right and so the way we've done that like th- like that's that's how we've approached like a like an org design and retention perspective right we don't want to be we, we don't want to be in a position where you know we design a certain org and uh, you know we had certain assumptions that like proved out to be disastrously long we didn't get the right you know we didn't get the right expertise on board to help us build it out we didn't sort of think deeply about it we didn't spend like a good 3 4 weeks on it and then, then like 3 months later the org breaks because it isn't designed to handle a certain level of scale like we spent a lot of time just thinking through very strategically and very early on who you know how should reporting structures work how do we keep sort of how do we keep sort of like a comp ratio managed you know very early on where we sort of don't just bring people on board with crazy conversations and then just try to fix it a couple of months down the line how do we you know how do we balance out like career trajectories for people and and like you know do, do we sort of like how do we keep keep people engaged in sort of a high intensity environment so a lot of those problems that like you know that traditionally sort of play companies in a little bit more of a mature stage like oh your your common bend ratios are all messed up uh at like year 2 year 3 and now we got to fix it we've tried to preempt that right so we don't want to be in a position in year 2 where we're like oh man you know, this is messed up i mean you take two months off and just fix this so that's been the mentality with org design and i think you know similar on all the other fronts you mentioned right talent acquisition retention and look i think the, the the archetype of talent that we have is sort of people that are like highly ambitious and like you know are willing to put a deep amount of input like, there's a lot of input that goes into it there's a lot of intensity for sure but like the output that we're getting right now is an order of magnitude higher right and so you have retention problems when there's a lot of input and there's not much output or like vice versa where there's there's just no input or no output and it's and in some sort of a lull lull environment so you know eventually we'll have to balance that and we are balancing that where we're focusing on aggressively but but yeah like most of those problems we just try to preempt if that you know that explanation makes sense absolutely i think that that's wonderful to hear instead of you know waiting for a point in time to kind of you know evolve into it having that hyper scale mode and having that you know process orientation from day one it is that's my take away from it and i love the prepared mind sort of a spectrum right you're prepared for that action and you're already thinking about that you know the mindset of building like and they call it as zero billion dollar company what not right you can use those phrases but i think the ambition is clear and the way you be able to structure it is also extremely wonderful and almost you know contagious for everyone listening in and it's going to be very helpful i think you know moving forward the other aspect is of course the focus and efficiency bit which of course stems from building a great team but having built the fundamentals right getting a great group of people in one room of course i'm sure is not enough how do you put the the sense of you know ensuring that they are not you're not as a model a going out and doing a lot of things because you know a lot of the other players have been able to do that and that's why they've been either late to the quick commerce market or they haven't been able to deliver at the efficiency or scale at the efficiency that you have been able to uh, with of course all due respect and everyone trying to create great uh, value but uh, what do you think has you know worked for zeptos favor in terms of the focus and efficiency bit and how do you maintain that at a culture level right within everybody because i'm sure this has to stem within every speck of the org so how do you make that possible and that would be great great to have no it's a good question i think um like you touched upon it in your in in the way that it was asked right? i think the like focus is the biggest boon that we have right if you look at sort of the history of the indian ecosystem vertical upstarts with great teams that were just purely focused on on perfecting one model are the ones that usually have one right? like if you look at uh, some of the winners that we have today like delivery rapido 
exactly the same story. And even if you look at it globally, like like DoorDash, etc. So it's usually the focused upstarts that that uh, you know tend to take the cake, especially if you sort of zoom out five years and ten years down the line, because there are a lot of structural advantages to being like purely focused, right? And you know, even if it's not evident at sort of year one, year two, when you compound it, compound it over ten years or fifteen years. Which is essentially the game that everyone is playing. Like ten, fifteen years is obviously a short timeline. The, the advantages of, of being purely focused is, is is incredibly important in terms of like the way we look at efficiency, right? So the going to sort of the, the 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 crux of the, the conversation, and it's for us, unit economics is is an incredibly deep focus, and so we've actually gotten to a point where, especially with a company of this age, the kind of traction that we've seen on unit economics with stores being profitable on every operating line at um the most mature stores we have already hitting sort of those those profitability potentials are other you know sort of our other the the other pods that we have in in sort of similar trajectories as well right that to us has been again like one of the reasons why we've been able to raise rounds in such quick succession is just largely because you know the micro markets we have are are, are trending in that uh you know are trending in that direction and the way that we've been able to do that is like a lot of basic things right like for example data visibility like when you're building a, a business that's that super intense has got like you know like many many different line items uh on a pnl that like maybe a software business might not have right one of the challenges you know the the challenges that even scale up companies have today is like how do i actually track this on a per order level like how do i get that uh you know how do i get that visibility to know if i'm making progress or not that was the first thing that we focused on right and so can we just have rigorous visibility into every single line item of this business uh and like that's half our half our job and then the next fifty percent is just optimizing it. And look, I think you know we do have a like we have a track record of micro markets turning full operating profitable, and you know that's like sort of the playbook that we're repeating. But you know for the first like the, the beginning of the business itself, we sort of took a PNL of a micro market that we said you know we want to build a fast growing and profitable business in the end state. And so this is what our micro market needs to look like on a month on month basis from a PNL perspective. And that's what we've been sort of driving very strict governance on internally. Right? So that's that's how we drive. Governance on on like unit economics. It's how we drive governance on uh, like the overall growth trajectory of the business. But uh, yeah, it's just like a it's like honestly, we found that like bulletproof data visibility, frequent and like strict governance on a set PNL for every micro market, and then extrapolating that is like seventy eighty percent of the job. And then like the rest of the twenty twenty to thirty percent is just like innovating on every line item, right? I've got a last mile cost. How do I bring that down structurally? And right? how do I how do I sort of increase efficiency across the board? Uh, and it has to scale. That right? I think what people don't tend to realize is that you know if we sort of like do some regard and and we're able to sort of reduce one line item for one micro market, how does that scale to a million orders a day? Right? Like like that that's a that's a deep focus area. And so uh, yeah, I think like it's data visibility plus governance, which I think we've made. And then the last part, which is you know, like innovating on the line item by line item, we've already Sort of achieve that in some of our more mature micro markets and other micro markets. As a result of that, as a result of the learnings that we've taken in the first six seven months of the business, are sort of like doing currently better than our mature micro markets, and will hopefully continue on that trajectory. So that's very transparently the reason why we've been able to raise capital, right? And we've got very thoughtful investors on board. Like the last round was sort of led by Y Combinator Continuity, that's made like great investments in companies like Grow, uh, uh, you know, ClearTax, you know, the, like the like companies that have had tremendous success in the Indian ecosystem, like those like high caliber, like thoughtful investors come on board cap tables that have got deep control of their business. And so for us, it's been a focus area on, on, on day one. And like, yeah, that's, this, that's how we've approached it.
Got it, got it. That's incredible to hear. I think just quickly continuing on that thought and at the expense of maybe sounding repeatable, uh, the fact that you've been able to, let's say, maintain focus and, you know, be efficient is also a factor of, let's say, the team size, the growth and everything being lala, at least initially, right? But with time, you know, processes can also get, let's say, uh, become a bottleneck to innovation, as you mentioned, right? That can be, you know, a perceived notion, if not a reality. So how do you perhaps tackle for that or maybe prepare for that aspect and how do you maintain this notion of remaining like you know a small company versus a large company because you know with large companies that tend to get things which are let's say comfortable right you tend to go astray so how do you maintain that balance where everything remains where, where you know value generation is at the core and you can continue to innovate at scale uh, that'd be uh, very helpful to understand Adi. Uh, so in terms of so it's a good question. I think like most startups have like a have like a uh, an opposite trajectory where like they've got innovation that's taken them to a certain level, and then processes what take them to the next level, right? Um, and so like the the processes that they didn't have initially that led to their innovation end up being bottlenecked to their like scale and like, ten to hundred journey. Right? So most startups have that that conundrum. I think it's, I mean it's a, it's an interesting question. Like honestly, not something that we've encountered yet you know, we see ourselves not being able to innovate right now. Like we, we just know exactly what we're doing. Like we know exactly what kind of business we're building. Uh, we know exactly the value proposition that we have. Uh, we know how like the market is massive. So we, we don't really need to do anything else to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to sort of build a, a crazy large business. So most of the innovation is deeper into the vertical and less horizontal, right? If you, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. And so like, how can I get even more efficiency? How can I drive even more consistency and, instead of customer experience. And so I think like maybe potentially with like a, like a horizontal type innovation, which is what some companies might need. Like if you're a software company, you want an 80% gross margin, you might get to 50 million in revenue. And that's amazing. But how do you get to 500 million in revenue? It might not necessarily be the product that you've currently built out, right? And so now you've got to take a step back and innovate and build product number two and product number three, and then you know, get to 200, 300 million in revenue. But for us, it's less about that, right? Like I think growth, revenue, et cetera, is like, the easier part, the harder part is just getting deeper and deeper into the, in, into the vertical. So I think with, with sort of, uh, instead of sort of looking for exciting parallel business models, and it's an approach that we've adopted. And like, I'm sure there are companies that might not need to adopt that approach that are in the space that are not in the space that can still be fairly successful. But when you're going deeper into your business model, the processes that you have tend to be like, they tend to help you do that. They tend to sort of free up mind space to be able to do that, right? Because if you're, if you're operating on Jugaad, right? Like where you things are crazy and you're scaling and things are breaking uh, and you've got no processes, then you're always in sort of the here and now, right? You're always trying to fix what's currently going on. You're never able to sort of elevate from the 30% week on week growth. <laughs> like, you know, that, like how do you maintain that? Like you're never able to elevate your, your, your thought process around that. Yeah, I think for us, the like processes has enabled that, like deeper vertical innovation. Maybe down the road, I'd be having a conversation with you saying, Jugaad, you know, now the next challenge is, how do we you know, expand horizontally and how do we sort of you know, break out of our uh, 100 to 1000 mindset and how do we go back to a zero to one mindset? Yeah, I think that that could definitely be a, a conversation we have. I don't know right now whether the phase of the business where it's necessary, but like, you know, down the road, it could be important, like how to keep innovation there at scale. And, and, and that sort of answers your second question as well, right? How do you, how do you sort of keep customer experience uh, stable as you scale? The answer to that question is very simply, just like process, process, process. Right? And so just like, uh, you know, being very process oriented has been like a boon for us so far. And look, maybe, we'll, yeah, maybe one day it'll come back to, to bite us, right? But I think back then, like, like we will hope, we'll hopefully be self-aware enough 
to be able to see that and then and then sort of try to course correct so right now it's it's working out well fair enough no i think that that's a lot of maturity there and i understand that you know considering that the business model in its sense is different the focus areas are different and you're trying to go more vertical as opposed to horizontal uh, that approach has worked out best and it's amazing how that keeps giving uh, on and on right uh, but to that point i mean so when you're going in depth right and a lot of questions around you know when are you going to be in more cities how profitable can this get at scale when you're going to you know the smaller towns and what not right that arises right so how are you fundamentally looking at the next 24 months right i'm sure like one thing the pandemic has taught us that nobody can perceive what's a, a one year two year timeline but uh, what do you think you know holds in store for you as you expand what's the playbook going to be like how do you think this is going to be sustainable also from a unit economics perspective considering that you know these models tend to you know i, I wouldn't say break but you'd be able to shed more light there so yeah 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 no right i think and honestly you know bearing the brunt of that that market sentiment which is highly complex operating businesses in india have in my opinion there are a few that haven't been built with the right discipline needed for you to have control on that business, on on a business as complex as that and so you are seeing multiple different businesses and you would know much better than i would you are seeing multiple different businesses that are high operating intensity fall apart not fall apart but like going through very challenging times at like a later stage in the business at like a you know a 4 billion or a 5 billion mark when you get to like a you know large amount of scale uh, and then there no like there are honestly no specific businesses that come to mind but that's your general sentiment right? and so that like high intensity businesses um you know haven't been built with the right rigor uh in the early years and so that's what like that's pretty much what my entire my my entire sort of uh 16 hour work day it <laughs> looks like like how do i how do i like over like overcome that right and there are plenty of like examples of great companies that have gone like from that stage to 10 billion plus uh and have really just you know achieved like operating rigor that hasn't let us sort of that that fall apart in in like not just customer experience but just like you know efficiency metrics right and so for us that's like pretty much my entire day just boils down into how do we you know prevent that from happening and and like i mentioned right like, like simple things like visibility plus governance uh and then sort of like going deeper into the business that gives you a lot more control and confidence in the business uh i think also uh if you look at sort of where we're at today right just like just to give you some context you know we're in a position where we've grown like 300% to 400% a month on average since launching in august today we're you know like still doubling to tripling every month at like a pretty significant scale and yeah i think the you know it's been a you know crazy uh it's been a crazy like 6 7 months we're in a position where we uh want to 20x uh in the next uh 9 months as well like the way that that things are looking and so yeah the thought process with that is not only are we going to you know achieve like a two or like an order of magnitude more scale than we are at today which is a fairly significant scale um we also want to half our like the capital requirement that we need to do that right and so uh you know today if we're in a position where you know a lot of early micro markets have just launched right and so as micro markets get more and more mature they start you know trending more and more toward operating profitability that's like the trend that we've seen with all of our uh, all of our micro markets that's that sort of enabled us to have like to build investor confidence the idea is to to really drive governance on that trend of a micro market and so that like when we 10x or 20x in revenue right we're able to half our burn uh simultaneously and so that's the that's the that's a 12 month objective right and, and like i think it look you know that's why i'm honestly pretty psyched about this market right? i think 
markets like these reward that many many more times over and like a lot of what like a lot of the folks that aren't doing that would get wiped out in the market like this which is exciting to me and i think that that's that's uh that's important so yeah that's like the the high level objective yeah i think in and just in terms of how we're doing that like i mentioned like it's just visibility plus governance and like just overall operating discipline that we just focus on so yeah, hopefully we I, i don't think we'll be in that position very very candidly i think the ecosystem now especially because like you know they've seen it happen multiple times before the ecosystem now investors have sort of learned what businesses like those look like in the early days right? and when you're growing so fast you know sometimes it tends to be like a, a video game right where it's just like you've got like this revenue number right and it's just going up and you're like wow like every day you open your ceo dashboard and like it's up like a crazy percentage and it's just a video game right it just keep going up and keep going up and like there's a lot of like dopamine that starts that's that starts hitting you right and so like it's it's actually a challenge in that frame of business to be thinking really commercially right like as as a this business which is, it, it it's it's not it's not easy at all right and so a lot of investors have seen what businesses like like that as sort of video game mentality look like in early, early days uh, i honestly think like you know frankly the businesses that are being built today have like a lot of great businesses have been built and have been able to 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 coach correct so i don't think it's like a like a huge humongous problem i think that there are plenty of businesses that have that have like overpart like like that have sort of skipped that phase and just continue to be like highly efficient operating companies and there are companies that you know might not have got past it like might might have hit that hitch but i'm sure are going to get out of it and i think they you know the great founders and great teams behind it that that is there are these are very like minor problems in a 10 year 20 year grand scheme of things but i don't think we're on that trajectory like I, i'm trying to be in that former category so yeah i think uh, that that's wonderful to hear and it's just that amazing like i think the fundamentals and discipline there is very very evident and it keeps giving i think the numbers of growth are humongous and they're not just coming at the expense of as you mentioned it's not a prayer for you growth is a process and that's what i think uh, keeps giving so uh, that's wonderful to hear adit i think this entire line of thought has been amazing i think we've covered a lot of how you know what goes into building zetto and uncovered the finer nuances that can help us dive deeper into how to build a business at that scale and speed uh, the way i want to i would love to end this is you know by diving a bit deeper into what your personal thought processes have been how you evolved and what's gone into that journey of you know as you lead a, a 500 million dollar or what not like without going into valuations a company at this scale and stage Uh, the first question there, you know, as we conclude, is uh, are there, what do you think are some of the more finer nuances of your personal characteristics that you've had to mold, that you've had to evolve as the company has grown, as you become more mature in the journey, and as more consumers, millions of them across the country, have become dependent on something like a Zepto to keep delivering the insane experience that it does. What has it done to you when you know so much responsibility comes in, so much scale comes in, the organization gets built. and this becomes something that you pursue for the foreseeable future of your life uh, what does that do to you personally in terms of maybe qualitative skills and also maybe the mindset and maybe the tangible things that you can help us decode as you know everybody listening in yeah i think again like a wonderful question to deep dive into it right? i think you know in, in sort of touching upon the earlier question that you had uh, which is like you know you know other they're so young etc like you know there's Well, wow, like, what led you to take this this sort of decision? I think you know, for for when I I think I, I speak for Kevali here as well. The most exciting thing about this business was not the fact that uh, the business was doubling or tripling every month. That that is that becomes 
it like you mentioned it becomes a process not a player uh, at a certain point and and uh, like it was less success like that was not that is not what really sort of like viscerally that cavalier and i to 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 sort of like not you know finish college right because i think like in terms of the, the monetary aspect that i think you know you can build great businesses here you can build great businesses in california uh we found you know we honestly loved the like the idea of coming back to our home country and building but it was less about the monetary aspect right? i think like at a certain point uh, it, it doesn't really matter uh for us what was more exciting was the fact that you know we could feel ourselves becoming significantly smarter very quickly and not because you know we were just like very smart because we had actually just got into this very special environment where you know you've got a team of people around you like like you know seasoned executives that have got you know decades of experience that have got you know like tons of like they're much much smarter than 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 I am uh, or Kevalia is right uh, and you're able to learn from and you're able to do that in in sort of the, the vantage point that we have you're able to learn about every different aspect of the business right so like the reason why the, the ceo might have to be a generalist is because like if i get a supply chain or a ceo he might not know anything about marketing or if i get a marketing ceo he might not know anything about supply chain um or someone who's a specialist in that being a ceo might not work out as well and so being in this position where you're surrounded by people that are much smarter than you are and you and you're in a business that's clearly working like incredibly well and like you you have all of your interests all of your time is aligned to like scaling as fast as the business and and like you know being in a position where you can see that entire journey from start to finish so you really want to be smarter you're, you're like you're surrounded by people that are much smarter than you are it it ends up just like kicking into this magical environment where you feel yourself gaining a lot more you know gaining a lot more you know insight self awareness and just like perspective that probably would have taken years to build uh, so that was the most exciting thing about it so you could, uh, the the very crude way of saying it is you could feel ourselves getting smarter right i want to say that we're two weeks from now we were probably a lot less smart than we were when we were today and two weeks after this conversation we'll probably be a lot a lot smarter as well on multiple different things i you know there's still a like a <laughs> this is a very very long way to go but yeah i think that's like sort of the, the journey of personally scaling as as founders of uh, what will hopefully be sort of an insanely large business over the next couple of couple of months and years uh, but yeah i think like personally the the characteristics that have mattered the most it's it's largely been you know work ethic yeah work ethic being disciplined about uh, being disciplined and, and holding yourself to a high degree of gravitas as like more and more people become like dependent on 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 the vision of your vision of the company uh those have been two very interesting things right? so like like you know just like solidifying a set work ethic having uh you know uh discipline built around that and also just like holding It's it's very difficult for uh, you know Kevali and I to take ourselves seriously, very honestly, right? And that's not like a it's not something that comes naturally to us. Like you know, okay, we're you know, CEO of a six hundred million dollar company. You know, it's 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 difficult to take yourself seriously. But then you 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 know holding yourself with that gravitas is important when you've got people, uh, you know, people that are coming on board for your vision. And so that's been an interesting like qualitative characteristic that we had to work on in the early days, and and it's it's paying. dividends today and so yeah i think that's the that's the broader thought process on that question got it got it no i, I love that one line summary of you know becoming smarter every day and you know just like how the time condenses to that journey so i think that's a 
very unique perspective to the founder journey and founder scaling. Uh, but you know, continuing on that thought is the next next aspect of like I'm, I'm sure all of these experiences also are also first time experiences for you, right? So you're almost figuring out with every day, with every new minute, whatnot, right? And when you're on a roller coaster, it can tend to get, of course, bumpy. I'm sure, right? So if you had to maybe give us a quick caveat of how you do this in terms of you know being comfortable with being uncomfortable every new day or being comfortable with just figuring new things out every day what does that mindset require and how do you enable that in action in practicality uh, i think uh, that'd be wonderful to hear just out of you know a lot of curiosity i like yeah this is a difficult question to answer i think uh, that's like again not to, like not to come off as sort of a like an overly wise person but i think that's that's sort of one of the characteristics that i feel kevin and i naturally had like we were generally very paranoid about being comfortable in life and i think the the you know the the, the place that we were in, in in life at the time right before we started experimenting with products in mumbai we were in a very comfortable place you know we had the opportunity to get a degree from a phenomenal you know like you know phenomenal institution that is honestly just like like to me at least it was like paradise on earth right you know it's a phenomenal place everyone there is so much smarter than you are and it's so easy to it's so easy to get smarter there right like you don't even have to do anything like everyone you speak to in an environment like that is 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 incredibly sharp you've got classes that are designed for the you know topics that you want to learn more about and, and from people that are like leading global experts in that field it just felt like you know too good to be true and i think that level of comfort uh, freaked us out a little bit <laughs> you were like okay this is life is uh, you know you know <laughs> this is too good to be true right uh, you know we we want to uh we've always put i try to put ourselves in a, in in the deep end I, i think like you know as kids even there's no reason why we needed to spend like dozens of hours a week trying to build something i think you know we could have just sure we could have just played video games I, i i don't know why that is i think uh but it is something that i i think we've you know in retrospect i feel like is it's probably like a, a trait that i'm sure the founders have as well right so yeah like just i think personally like you know putting ourselves like in uncomfortable situations is just natural and then even at the company right like the way that you build the culture is that i think the way to do that is just to be like radically candid and so you know we have very radically candid conversation and it goes both ways right you know if someone thinks that i'm being uh silly and and irrational they'll just tell me to my face and it can be like you know people that you know are, are three levels below me right in terms of like a reporting structure right and and, and that's and like i absolutely i mean we all absolutely love that right it's a ego free radically candid environment that we try to build and so that like when you have people that aren't like aren't concerned about politeness or no no i wouldn't say politeness would be polite but aren't concerned about like unnecessary like truisms around the core point right they're like they're they're, they're more concerned about getting the core point across then you just tend to have uncomfortable truths come out like a lot a lot quicker so yeah which is especially difficult when a company is growing right when a company is growing it's very tempting to just sit back and and say man life is good you know like and, and like you know at some point the company will not be growing as fast like you're not going to double every month for eternity uh we have to push to do that for as long as possible and so um yeah i think it's it's tempting to take it easy when a company is growing and say you know we're crushing it right but i think when you have that like candid environment uncomfortable truths come out and you know it does create like some degree a little bit degree of heartburn but the at the end of the day i think when you look back at it it's it's like it it it's better for everybody uh and so yeah. 
that that's phenomenal adit i think uh, the, the the phrase again you know just like uh, being candid being, being accepting like candidly not comfortable right like having that as a characteristic i think that sums up what almost all entrepreneurs are because they are almost always willing to put themselves in these uncomfortable shoes face the challenge and come on on the better side so i think that's just phenomenal to hear and resonates very strongly with you know what the podcast stands for so this has been phenomenal i think i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation uh, i don't know what would be a fitting end but what i do know is uh, understanding the cores of uh, you know how you started to become an entrepreneur and what lies ahead so without going to philosophical nature if you can perhaps you know at a fundamental level naturally tell us uh the eventual motivation or let's say the purpose vision what not of building a, a as a founder and of course building a zepto if you can break it down for us as we end i think that would attest to you know what a founder journey stands for and how uh, amazing how, how you're creating such immense uh, gratification value for millions of consumers in the country so i think if you can end with that it'd be fantastic sure so the sort of the real like the the real truth about sort of like you know being a founder and 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 what's motivating and what's what's next i think the answer to that would be yeah i think like the 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 genuine truth is that what's exciting as a founder is just to see a vision that might not necessarily have been obvious like a couple of months ago just play out in tens of thousands of people's homes every single day right and so that's that's honestly something that 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 we love and we're we're very excited by that's something that keeps us going and and more importantly it's it's like the idea of just like you know looking back and and feeling good about something that you built and i think that that i don't know if that that has existed yet in the indian ecosystem i'm glad that there are a few like you know successful ipos that have come out there and people can look back but no one i don't i don't think anyone in the indian ecosystem has reached and there is never an end but has never reached like the like sunset moment right where you can ride off into the sunset and and like look back at what you built and see that it's great i think that's what honestly motivates us right so just like being able to look back 20 years from now and you know 20 years from now we'll be 39 years old uh so you know we we you know we will be still around and so uh that it, what's motivating is like looking back at it 20 years from now and saying you know we built a business but might not have you know been intuitive and we did it right uh and it's created a tremendous amount of value for customers for shareholders for employees and that that actually just motivates us like there's no there's no sort of like to the point this is what we do and you know at a certain point as a founder you're you know building big businesses uh you know creating wealth for shareholders and yourselves and, and employees at a certain point at least personally it just becomes like that that becomes like a metric to stop optimizing for uh at least personally right and so yeah just like to us just becomes like this is exciting and and let's let's keep building it and and you know we're learning a lot of, along the way that's a very simple like you know the 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 very simple reality to that and in terms of like oh, you know where we think this business will be look i think this is a new category uh i think there's there's a lot more potential here than you know meets the eye and in terms of like how this category can evolve into this space into multiple other spaces and what this means right i think there's a sense that you know even if it's not horizontal uh, or even if it is horizontal uh, or if it's just sort of you know going deeper into you know a handful of categories i think this this business just like the the philosophy of it right which is increasing frequency and reducing friction uh that's a philosophy that i think we can take into multiple different business verticals and that we're excited about it right? i think like it's it's the like the the current objective right now is just to the current objective right now is to have like a like touch a household like multiple times a week right and like you know with the product that you built and then how do you you know eventually expand that so the north star for us is you know how many times are we 
uh, impacting and, and sort of touching somebody's life and and uh, and adding value to them. And how do we just keep increasing that frequency, uh, whether that's going deeper into the category or looking at how to evolve this philosophy into multiple other categories. So I know it might not be like the like the quote bread and bones answer. There are a lot of bread and bones conversations that we have, but like yeah, like the overall tenure like thought process for the business is that you know let's just build a business that is like able to like repeatedly add value to somebody's life on a high frequency, like at a very high frequency. That's like the core of our business. So yeah. I think that's phenomenal. I think that's as candid as it gets and just goes back to the original motivations of how young, old, uh, medium-aged medium founders are just building incredible businesses out of the country and goes back to the core innovation that we're seeing as an ecosystem. And it's amazing what uh, Adit, you and Team Zepta are being able to accomplish. I'm sure everyone in the audience, everyone watching this will attest to it. And it's amazing how candid you've been in sharing the lessons from building such a phenomenal organization, which I'm sure is only going to go upwards in its trajectory. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well as I did. And uh, thanks for being your candid self. Yeah, no, thank, thanks a lot, Jivraj. And you know, really, really appreciate the, the kind words. And honestly, it was wonderful talking to you as well. Uh, great conversation. Awesome. With that, we come to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're finding value with the podcast, do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice, drop in a review and subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox. Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, I hope you record. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay tuned and keep building.